Hey, you with the rhinestone dog collar. Between us dogs, I just convinced my human to upgrade to a new home with a 1,200 square foot bathroom. I think she called it a yard. With Wells Fargo's 3% down payment on a fixed rate loan, my human realized a new home was within reach. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash woof. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. Down payments as low as 3% on a fixed rate loan require mortgage insurance. Ask a home mortgage consultant about loan requirements. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage is a division of Wells Fargo Bank N.A. Equal housing lender. NMLS RID 399801. Feral Audio. Feral Audio. Live. The first comedy special from Feral Audio. Two hours of stand-up and improv. Hosted by Dan Harmon and Aaron McGathy. Well, we are hosting it. Uh, I didn't know they made albums anymore. They sure do. They make them every day. Featuring an opening meditation by Duncan Trussell. How wonderful it is to be here tonight at the Feral Audio special album taping. Steve Agee. That's f***ing embarrassing. <laughs> Little Esther Pivitsky. This is a dorky-ass crowd. I like it. DJ Dugbow. Turn down for Doug. John Roy. I'd be like, I got a notebook full of jokes. And as soon as I learn to tell them without my hands shaking, I'll make as much money as a school teacher. <laughs> Melissa Stevens. This is going to get real graphic, and it's recorded, so... And Brody Stevens. You got to be ready at a Brody show. You got to be ready. On sale now at feralaudio.com slash shop. Get a $5 audio download and an independently produced video special for just $10. Visit feralaudio.com to learn more. Live from Los Angeles, it's the Feral Audio Podcast Show! From New York City, it's the Todd Berry Podcast. The Todd Berry Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Nick Lowe is on the show tonight, today or tonight. Um... One of my favorite singer, songwriter, producer, musicians. He's on tour now. You should check him out. I'm going to be going on the road December 19th. I'll be in Denver at the Oriental Theater. And uh, in January, like 22nd, I'll be in uh, Oklahoma City, 23rd in Dallas, 24th, 25th in Houston. Lots of other dates coming up. Go to toddberry.com. And here's my talk with Nick Lowe. Is there anything I should know about the... Oh, is there anything you should know? Is there... Uh, I, I sh this would be a good chance for me to make up a lie. And No, but I think it's, it's <laughs> okay. just... Oh, you have to come in the costume to my... No. You, uh... <laughs> Welcome, Nick Lowe. Nick Lowe's in my apartment. Welcome. Uh, I'm, I'm very impressed by your apartment. You really? apartment th 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 thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for having me. Don't you wish you could have your bed in your living room as well? <laughs> How do you know that I haven't? Uh, no, nah, you got you must. I, I, was, I wonder what you're, you probably have a really, I'm trying to imagine what your house is. I'd say it's big, but not ostentatiously big. Uh, I've actually ra rather, rather swankily. Um, I've, I've uh, I've lived in the same house um, in London, which is very small. Actually, it was probably it's old. It's an old house, but it's probably it was probably built for a family of twelve. But yeah. there's barely enough room for my kit and me <laughs> to be in it. But when um, my wife and I um, got together, it was it was definitely not going to be room. And then when the lad turned up, <laughs> my little boy, I, I bought a, another house where I live, which is about 30 seconds walk away. Oh, nice. Well, it is, it, it, except that if you have any kind of 
row about anything, even something very mundane, like a, like taking the rubbish out or something like that. And it's and it's the <laughs> night that I go and read a you know read a book or watch a documentary, do some of the things, stay up late, and, yeah, uh, you know, write and that sort of thing. If it's one of the, if it's my night for going back to the little house, you know, but we had a little a little row, it's <laughs> like you're slamming out of the door in a rage, you know. So you have to be very very. Care. Most of my friends all think, "Whoa, man, how did you pull that off?" You know, the two house thing. That's because they're uh, they go to the couch. They don't have like a whole new house. <laughs> that's that they right. Can, yeah. Like, that's your version of the couch, is it? So uh, so you kept the other house. Is that like your home office type situation? Yes. Yes. It's a pretty nice office, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but that's the, the the deal. Yes. What area of London do you live? I live in um, a place called Brentford, which is uh, in West London, not not far from the airport Heathrow. Oh yeah. Okay. I don't. London's so gigantic that it is. It I've is. been there like ten times, but I still like have no clue. Yeah, it is. There's, there are parts of it that even uh, that I sometimes I've, I've never even heard of. Somebody will say, "Oh, I live in such and you know." <laughs> Westerwood or something. Yes, I've never heard of that. Someone had told me that people in London uh, are bad about giving directions. Like, they don't know. I mean, and I kind of discovered that because I was, I was trying to go to Charlotte Street, and I asked, like, five people in a row, and finally someone knew, and then it was like this was this great street. Like, how do you not know about the street? But Well, maybe uh, there's maybe they were all tourists. Oh, that's true. That's they, a good point. Because Charlotte Street is in is in right in the West End. That's true. Because the people who did give me directions were exceedingly nice about it. Oh, <laughs> like some people would like get off the the tube with me and point to maps and. Uh, hmm. So I think I just uh, well, I don't know where I got that bad information. But you were. Uh, it's the day after Thanksgiving, I should say. It's Black Friday here. Yeah, Black Friday. I just saw a um, video of some people in northwest London fighting over a, a television set. A nice video of that. Oh, well, how interesting. is because Matt Hanks um, just said to me in the, in the um, cab coming over here, do you have Black, black Friday? And I, and I was thinking, well, we've had so many Black Fridays, Black this and Black that over in the UK, generally to do with the economic situation. Right. Um, hedge fund managers throwing themselves out of <laughs> windows and things like that, that I had to scratch my head and wonder if uh, what this one was. But, of course, it's the start of the sales or something. Yeah, it's it's when people... Uh, yeah, it's the start of the Christmas sales. Well, they have so many uh, American imports um, over in the, in, in the UK now. Do you know, for instance, that this year, I just heard on the radio the other day, that... Um, they're starting to celebrate Thanksgiving in the UK. Wasn't that you guys giving thanks for getting away from us? <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's like, I, I know. I was, I was, That's like when Jewish people get a Christmas tree. It's just it's like, no, it's not, it's not meant for you. Not meant for you, yes. So you flew here last night on Thanksgiving? I did, yes, on, uh, on British Airways. It was very, very strange. It was, um, it, it was quite uh, a quiet flight. And, but the uh, crew, uh, you know, the cabin crew were very sort of bad-tempered, <laughs> you know, as if as if they, actually, as if they thought that they shouldn't be working on Thanksgiving, right. you know, some sort of peculiar, you know, again, um, they'd, they'd adopted this American festival, you know, and didn't think that they should be working on it. But they were very bad-tempered. I would think if I, I mean, if I were a flight attendant and the plane was empty, I'd be like, oh, that's... This yeah, is a nice yeah. night at work. Yes, you'd think so. Yes, they um, 
The, I was going to say that 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 on British, British Airways, the 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 male flight crews speak in this in this strange way, this strange way, which is actually more akin to a British policeman. Like um, they sort of talk through their nose like that. All yeah. right, sir. Um, anything I can do for you, sir? In the sense of slightly threatening, it always sounds slightly threatening. Would you like to put your seat back up for me, sir? Doors to manual. You know, that sort of thing. And this very slightly... And they were all like that yesterday, which maybe which sort of added to this air of menace, you know, that seemed to be... Yeah, it's... it's pervading. Flight attendants are... Uh, they're either way nicer than you think they'd be or there's always that gritted teeth kind of like, oh, I gotta ask, well, be nice to you, but I don't want to be nice to you. Must be a beastly job. That sounds horrible, yeah. Did you, um, so what time, did you have a Thanksgiving dinner here? Did you dive into our... No, I didn't. <laughs> I, I've, I'm, not, I'm not actually on, on top form, uh, uh, actually. I, I've got a, a, a sm slight cold, and so I went to bed fairly, yeah, almost immediately as soon as I got here. So you're, um, do you like coming to New York? I know oh, a... blimey, who, who doesn't? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's fantastic. I don't think I, I'm, I'm... I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm staying uh, because I'm doing the Prairie Home Companion. So oh, I'm, cool! I'm staying at the hotel, you know, that they put their guests, which is right in Times Square. You know, oh. I'd prefer to be staying somewhere else <laughs> yeah. apart from that. But that's a you know, who who can complain really? Yeah, I mean, at least you got all your trains there if you want. Yes, yes. And you got a store that sells M and M's. Yeah. Uh... No, I'd rather be. I'd rather be sort of. This more this part of the world, really. So, um, so you're here to promote your album, and you also have a tour starting up. Yes, yes. Um, in uh, uh, the day after tomorrow, I'm going to uh, um, Minneapolis mm -hmm. to start rehearsing with uh, the you know Los Straight Jackets. Yeah, I actually watched some YouTube videos of theirs earlier. I, yeah. I wasn't I was wasn't overly familiar with them. I knew about them, but. Yeah, they seem they're good. Yes, they are good. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so we're going to do a tour t together. You know, they're going to kind of back me up. Well, we, well, the the idea is we haven't rehearsed yet, so it could be a total fiasco, which of course is quite entertaining in itself. So yeah, because either way we win, you know. But uh, um, uh, they're going to be. It's going to be a, like a review. We think Ian McLagan's coming as well. You know, from the from the faces, so he'll. Started off, and then I'll come on and do a few tunes on my own. Then be joined by the Straight Jackets, and then they'll do a little bit, and they'll come on and finish the night off. Well, that sounds great. So it's not like opener, middle, lag. Oh no, know, no, it's just gonna, like you're, it's all be, integrated. Um, they're going to be sort of backing me up, but I'm very anxious that they don't. I don't think they can actually. Um, thank goodness, but I, I don't want them to sort of do do some session man thing, you know, where they they. They just copy my records. I really want it to sound as if they decided to do my tunes in, oh, yeah. in their set, and I'm and I've come to you know um, to uh, I'm plonked out front singing them. Do you find when you work with musicians that sometimes I guess like they're afraid not to do, like to just go off on their own? Yeah, path, but yes, they they uh, they are. It's a bit like when 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 people uh, cover. Uh, songs that i've written it's all it's always a thrill you know that when they um uh well 
yeah, I should say a thrill is the sort of showbiz word, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but it's sometimes not a thrill. You're pleased about it. You know, you're pleased that someone's noticed it. Yeah. Know, noticed one of your songs. But, but um, unfortunately, uh, very often they, they tend to just copy the, copy the record. And uh, sometimes the record isn't the best way of, of doing it, I think. And it's much... It's much more interesting and kind of complimentary, in, in, in my view, when people take the song and take it somewhere else completely. Have you ever had your song sampled by, like, a rapper? Or and not, not to my knowledge. I, I'd, I'd be so pleased if that, that ever happened. But I would I, think that would be really exciting just because yeah, it's going to be just totally too. different. Than... Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Now, I, I understand that um, um, George Gershwin used to... Used to, used to um, threatened to sue anyone who didn't actually do his tunes exactly as they were written every single oh really that's yeah that's a lot I'm, of work i'm completely the opposite of george gershwin in so many ways <laughs> <laughs> sadly he's like make it your own so your album is quality street yeah quality street yes it's it, a seasonal what was it, a seasonal offering or something um, i forgot a, the full subtitle yeah the um Seasonal uh, something <laughs> or other grab bag for all the family. So I can't remember what what it was. But Quality Street is a is a brand of candies that they have in the UK, which uh, are absolutely ubiquitous. You know, um, if that's the right word, at every Christmas, every single home seems to have a tin of Quality Street, and they're toffees and. Uh, and chocolates all wrapped up in in different colored paper and and i don't think anyone buys them at any other time of the year except for christmas it's like the fruit cake of <laughs> i suppose it is of candies yeah now i heard that your uh did your label ask you to do a christmas album or a holiday album yeah they 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 did they um they asked me uh, last year to do it or was it a year before, I suppose, actually, because we had to record it. Um, yes, it was the year before that, because we recorded it in the, in the summer. And, and my initial response was, was um, uh, of shock that they, that they thought I would do something like that, because in, in the UK, it's, uh, people have a very sort of... Uh, maybe it's our sort of Puritan roots or something like that, but people think are very, very suspicious about any kind of um, Christmas uh, as they see as they see it sort of cashing in. You know, they think oh, it's, it's very, a commercial very, aspect. Of yeah, it. it's it's we have a word, <clears throat> a slang word, naff, which doesn't mean exactly uncool. Its sort of root is is uncool, but it's more kind of vulgar and bad taste. It's tacky. Yeah, tacky. You could say, um, and so it's seen as as very naff to do uh, to do a, a Christmas uh, record. Well, I and I reacted very very badly when they asked me. <laughs> and I was rather insulted that my record company thought that I would like to soil my hands on this <laughs> sort of thing. But but that lasted for really about sort of forty or fifty seconds, I would think. And then I suddenly thought, wait a minute, what's the matter with you? This could be. This could be really good fun and um, a very interesting, and very interesting exercise. And so I told the you know alerted the boys and girls that I make my records with, and 
and we went to work. I, I knew knew it would the hardest thing would be finding the material. Yeah, you know, I thought the recording wouldn't take too long, but I thought, well, let's see if we can make one make a record Christmas record, which is you might want to listen to more than once, and uh, uh, and you know has got some got some staying power. Yeah, there's one song on there that 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 struck me. I mean, they all struck me, but this one immediately struck me was a uh, Christmas at the airport. Because when I heard that, I just heard the title. I saw the title. Oh, that sounds great! Being stuck at the airport on a, yeah, you don't have to deal with any of the stress. <laughs> I'm sure that's you have a different perspective, but well, I, I, I it, it was only when I came over here uh, last year because the 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 record was actually released last Christmas, and it had uh, it had some uh, you know some pretty good success, which is why I suppose they've decided to get it out of the box again this Christmas and have another go with it. So, of course, I'm thrilled about that. Um, but uh, last year when I was over um, doing a little promotion for it, somebody actually said to me, you know, the character in that Christmas in the airport, he's locked in the, in the airport over Christmas. So he, and he actually sounds like he, he thinks it's a pretty good idea and he's had quite a result. And it hadn't occurred to me at the time when I was um, doing it, but actually um, thinking about it, what's not to like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find that uh, holidays are so stressful that, mm. like, the idea of, like, oh, I'm just going to, yeah, an airport. I, I, can, I know how to work an airport. Yeah, yes, exactly. No, <laughs> no that would be fine. I, I'm, I certainly would have thought that. Uh, I... Of course, I, I've got the, this little boy. Uh, yeah, that changes everything. Came, came along, yes, and, <laughs> and as you see, you see it slightly differently. Then I've and I rather enjoy it now. Um, how long that'll last for? I, I, till I return to my former <laughs> attitude. <laughs> I and know. I was giving you my grumpy uh, no kids perspective. I'm just like, oh, there are no, yeah, airport, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I did a Thanksgiving once where I, I was in Canada where they didn't have Thanksgiving, and it was I ate Chinese food at a mall by myself, and I was just like, oh, this oh, is, did you really? This is just this is the life. Chinese, woo, <laughs> Chinese food at a mall. That's pretty lonely. <laughs> <laughs> How many people do you uh, travel with? I mean, in New York, is it just you here doing this yeah, kind of is. prep stuff? It, well, it is uh, at the moment. And then when I start uh, rehearsing with the Straight Jackets, I'll, uh, I'll be joined by um, Neil Brockbank, who does my sound. He's your sound guy, yeah. yeah. I know who he is. Yeah. So uh, so it'll be the two. Well, actually, technically, it'll be three of us, actually. We'll bring another, another guy from the UK, he, although he happens to be an American, but he lives in, in London. He's going to come with us. Like a tour manager, or like no, he's uh, he's going to be doing on stage. Oh, monitor. Stuff. Okay. Yeah. Find that musicians. I see. Is that like? Um, I mean, I deal with monitors on some level. Sometimes I do shows, and I just go, "You can turn them off." I, I hear myself talk. All right. Oh, oh, you you do you really do you use monitors on stage? I mean, if I play, sometimes I play music venues or theaters, and they'll have these big, you know, hulky monitors on there, which which block my beautiful body, but. Uh, so sometimes, guy, you can just uh, take these for a nice, cleaner look. But it's it's yeah, it's nice to hear yourself a little bit. I suppose so. If you can, you can, you can go in. You can moderate your your tone of voice, can't you? You can tell what the microphone's doing. You go in on the mic and it's and speak really quietly, and it has this, that intimate right. thing. And then you back off and do a sort of a mad person's voice, you know. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> I kind of just do the quiet voice nonstop. Yeah. But, but, uh, so how do you, are you, are you doing a tour bus? Are you doing a, how do you, how do you travel? I'm, uh, I'm going to be, uh, how, how am I doing? I think I'm doing quite a lot on the train, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yes, I quite like the train. And I suppose I'm flying a few, but I'm getting ready to actually spend a bit of time at airports. In fact, this is a terrible time of year, isn't it, to be doing it's going around the lakes and things like that? Yeah, rock going. And roll shows. There's just a lot of uh, cancelled flights. Yeah, yeah. So I'm stealing myself for for that sort of thing. So maybe I'll be doing more driving more than I think I am. Have you? I mean, you've done a number of um, of those bus tours. Do you like that or? Yes, I have done. I think it's sort of a young man's game. I think it's it's. Uh, you, I, I'm I sort of prefer my own company a bit more uh, now. You know, if I've got to endure unpleasant, you know, some unpleasant situation, I far rather be on my own and do right. it. Right. Yeah, it's amazing that bands last as long as they do. Like just traveling then sharing hotel rooms and then performing and just like, well again if you're a kid you know we, yeah. we used to we used to love it we used to twin you know we were twinning up i think i was well into my 30s before i suddenly thought wait a minute what am i sharing a room with another <laughs> grown man for you know we must be doing well, well enough you know so that we don't have to do that anymore but that was in the days you know when we used to be at it you know, I can't ever. I mean, I can't actually remember ever, ever going to bed for about fifteen years <laughs> back then. Yeah, I've seen some bands like afterwards, like what they're doing afterwards, and just like, don't you have to wake up in the morning? Like, yeah. And then you're gonna go do. It just seems like it would just perpetuate, and you'd four shows into a tour, you would just have a permanent hangover. But, but wait a minute now. Somebody told me that you uh, were, or indeed are. A drummer and oh. rather a useful one as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's that is the best description of my. Um, I don't know that I'm useful. I'm useful if you want to watch me and feel better about your own drumming. <laughs> I provide that use. I, I think I'm. Uh, I'm. I keep it simple, and I'm. I don't practice. I bet, I bet you do. And I'm not good. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that. I doubt that. I think you, you give off the you give off the the sort of aura someone who knows what they're doing uh i mean yeah I, I wouldn't i wouldn't i'm like i'm one of them drummers who's afraid to like play fills so i just tss, tss, tss. yeah just so any song with that i can tap along and just join in i mean the way i usually do it is if i'm opening for a musician then they bring me up during their encore and then it's like oh okay the, the comedian's gonna play drums so there's not this expectation of like oh that's their drummer Mm, that's a pretty good act. I mean, you really, does that happen? Yeah, I tend to ensure that it happens. Like, oh. I'll make a part of the deal. Like, all right, I'll, I'll go on before you, but... Uh, <laughs> as long as you get me There's <laughs> something little going to happen with your encore there. But uh, but it's, it is fun, because I, I used to play in bands way back when I lived in Florida, but this is, yeah, it's, it's just nice to look out and not have to talk constantly like I do. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> Yes, I can see that. You've, uh, I've seen you live many, many, many times. Uh, first time, Blondie, 79 in Florida, Rockpile, oh, opening yeah, for Blondie. Good fun. At the Sunrise Musical Theater, which I think is a big mega church now. Is it really? Yeah, I don't think, this, I think it became antiquated or obsolete, this, the way the stage was set up. I don't know. Someone explained it to me. But it's I, the first time, the first time I ever saw 
I don't know how you pronounce it, Jialai. Oh, Hi-Li. Hi-Li, yes. Yeah. It's the first time I ever saw that. I thought it was, I, I couldn't. Oh, you went it. to see Hi-Li? No, uh, I, I saw it on the telly. I yeah. saw it on the TV when we were there. But I, I thought it was so fantastic. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think I maybe went once when I lived down there. But it is a weird, like, because it's a gam. the gambling aspect is very, it's just weird, like, watching people play, like, some sort of version of handball. Mm. In a it's stadium, quite, it's sort of quite aggressive, isn't it? Yeah, I, and I, yeah, I've heard there's you know some that it's rigged, but I don't know if that's true. Oh, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, I know I'm going to get a lot of emails from High Life fans. From, from like it's not rigged. Infuriated High Life fans. Yeah. But I've seen you a number of times as an opening act. When you, I saw you open for Tom Petty when I was in college, and uh, Elvis Costello a few times, and the Wilco. Do you? Uh, is that something you like doing, or? What are your general thoughts on um, what opening? Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I do enjoy it actually because you you can't really sort of lose, you know. If you if you do really well, you know, then you you're like you a know, bonus treat. Think, yeah, you just think oh, 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 they're, they're wasting their time. These headliners, you know, <laughs> just looking over their shoulders all the time. Now here I come, and if you and uh, if you don't do very well, you think, well, it's not my crowd. <laughs> What do they expect? Um, and most of the people, uh, most of the people I've uh, uh, opened for, either on my own or with, or with when I've been in in bands, have been really nice folks. So yeah, they're fans of yours. So wow, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But uh, they've certainly just the first the first tour we did when when Rockpile first came in in the in the seventies was quite hard work because we were. Uh, Dave Edmonds, um, we were we were as far as we were concerned, we were rock pile. It was the four, it was, was the four of us. But Dave Edmonds was signed to um, uh, Led Zeppelin's label. I can't remember. What Swan Song. Yeah, Swan Song. That's right. And uh, as far as Swan Song was concerned, we were just his backing group. Uh-huh. You know, we we had rather more highfalutin ideas than, than that. <laughs> and so they really did treat us <laughs> extremely badly. Um, Quite funny in retrospect now, but um, eventually we did got, get fired off off the tour because we we really did really well. I mean, ba- bad company. They were all right, but he, but even back then. Oh, that's who the tour was with. Bad yeah, company. bad company. Okay. We were for, and they were really on the way out. You know, they were they were they were they'd had a go and were were on the way out, and the, they were playing places that were a little too big for them. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And we weren't exactly in the first flush of youth, you know, but, but, uh, but we had a, a much more zippy and happening act. And, and I had no idea that it was possible. If we had really little tiny amplifiers, really in comparison to their stuff, but I had no idea that, that back then that you could stick a microphone in front of one of these little tiny amplifiers <laughs> and put it through a giant PA and hey presto, you know you're you're really happening, and uh, we were we'd go out and tear the tear these places up. It was unbelievable. Had no idea that that would happen, and so the first of all they tried cutting down our, the amount of time we we played and which is the worst thing that they could do really because we it means we all our really rubbish nu- tunes you know we that we didn't play them we just played all our good stuff and then um and then when we got 
the punters completely uh, excited you know then we'd run off sort of exaggeratedly looking at our watches <laughs> and shaking our heads sadly at the crowd you know and, you know apologizing which made the things even more difficult for poor old bad company when they came on and then they got another act in called the outlaws oh, i remember them like a southern rock band yeah southern rock band yeah they had about 10 guitar players <laughs> or something and they they were trying to tell us something they got the outlaws in they made us set up right on the lip of the stage you know and we were on for about sort of 10 minutes i think before the outlaws came on and after that we were on we were on our way st louis um uh oh what, what the, oh Louisville, not St. Louis. Louisville, yes, is when they where they cut us off. Oh, <laughs> Did they? Was it after the show or was it? A... Yeah, after the show. Yes. So just like you know, so find well, your way we'll, home. From we'll Louisville. be off to Chicago then. <laughs> I think not, boys. I think we've come to the end of the road. Did they get? What was the reason they gave? Did they just? They didn't say you were blowing us off the stage, right? They said they couldn't afford to have us or something. Oh, okay. I, I know. I think it was a, because of the house. Yeah, they said that we weren't a big enough draw. We weren't drawing enough people. We, it was our first first tour of the states. You know, they said we we need a bigger draw. So goodbye. Wow. Sounds like those were fun shows, though. Yeah, it was. It was really good fun. It was really good fun. No money, but fantastic fun. <laughs> how many How many did you get out before you uh, before they? Uh... Uh, we did. Actually, we how many shows? Yeah, we, was, the... we did quite a lot. Actually, it was a really, really long tour. I think, but I think we did about twenty. I think. Um, did we go to Florida? No, I don't think we did. But we went to a lot of places I've never been to since. You know, in in the South. Very good fun. When you tour the states, do you um, do you just do you put leave that up to your booking agents, or do you go? I've never been here. This sounds like it might be interesting, or mm. do you ever just, or is it just not practical to do that? It's 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 where it's not really not really practical because I do want the, the the whoever promotes me to make some money. You right, know, so they 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 don't really do it for altruistic reasons. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so I normally go and preach to the converted now. Although when I did, uh, when Wilco were kind enough to take me with them, I did a, a sort of a couple of short stints with them which was very good fun and there was a um played a lot of places that i i, I hadn't either hadn't been to ever or hadn't been to since they turned their noses up at rock pile um and and did really well did really well there so um uh, and they were mainly in the midwest so yeah i saw it's in central park open for them though. that was a fun one huh? yeah yes it it it, it was i i Mm, I, I didn't think I was I, I clicked too well on 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 those shows, but uh, I, I really had a great time with them with with those fellows. They were great. I think the last time I saw you was at Lincoln Center playing outside. Oh yeah, that was quite. Yeah, <laughs> that's on as that sort of, but it was billed as a sort of rockabilly. Uh, yeah, and there was like one of like Elvis Presley's guitarists. I forgot his was it Burton. James yeah, Burton? James Burton. Yeah, he played with someone. I think. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it was a it was a curious night, but well, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, that was good because I remember the audience. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a long show," but you never sensed any sort of like restlessness from 
No, they seemed to... Well, it was a very nice evening, wasn't it? Do you remember? Yeah, it, it was. It was a really yeah. nice evening, and people, I think, were didn't really mind who was on, actually. They were having a... <laughs> there was just a nice sort of a, um, vibe in the air, and they were. I think they were all pleased that I none of my tunes were any longer than two and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the new album's 39 minutes about, right? I, um, I feel like those days... Are those days over where the bands put out... I feel like albums used to be like 35 minutes long. And then... Yes, they, they, they were, weren't they? So it was uh, about 20 minutes aside. And then, and after that, there, there was some problem with the bass. You can't get enough bass on, on there because the grooves get too shallow. Oh, is that is that groove cramming? I saw... <laughs> Yeah, I saw some liner cramming. notes that you wrote when you wrote something about groove cramming. I don't even know what groove cramming is, but it sounds great or whatever. Well, the the, the when the when when uh, they used to put dance singles out you uh -huh. know, on album. What, what are the? I can't even remember what they used to call those. But twelve was, inch. Or? Yeah, twelve inch singles. Yeah. Now, the reason for that was so they could get the groove really, really deep. You know, so they get bags of volume and uh, and bass. Ah, oh, see, I never knew any of that. Wow, and then they found the, the ability to put out like triple albums, well, when, or like a CDs. Yeah. Well, when CDs came, now they're too loud. CDs. You don't have to I put. You put a CD. It used to be a real skill trying to get your volume in, it, out of your disc. You know, your vinyl yeah. disc when you took it to the cutting room. It used to be a real. Um, I, in fact, I can tell you a story about that if you're. I love in, stories. Interested. Yeah. Well, there used to be when I first started working with Edmonds. With Dave Evans, we used to go. Um, uh, I, I didn't. I hadn't. It, it took me a long time to get to know him. He's a he's a very real a real loner, and uh, I'd made up my mind that I was going to try and get friendly <laughs> with him, this yeah. guy, you know. And slow bit by bit, you know, he he um, he let me let me in. You know, he used to make these records on his own, and he, he first of all he he had me in as as a sort of audience, you know, and I'd sit there and kind of. Cheer, you know, be the cheerleader kind of thing, you know. And then he let me go and send me outside to scratch a microphone to see if it was on, you know, or, or press, you know, for his drop-ins, let him press them the, the uh -huh. machine. And then one day he said, right, I need a backing vocal. Can you can you go and do that, sing this note? And, and then, hey, presto, you know, we were sort of collaborating. Uh, well, when we finished that album... Which he, album was that? Um, I think it was called Get It. Okay, I have that album. And and uh, he uh, he said, right, I'm going to uh, get the record cut today. Go to take it to the cutting room. Do you want to come with me? So yeah, absolutely. I'd I'd been to cutting rooms before, but I I always thought it was a really boring process. You know, in the old old days when they when uh, when they used to do it. Anyway, he took me along, and and the guy he got to cut it was a. a Fellow, I can remember his first name. Aaron, his name was, and he was he was the real flavor of the month. He was an Indian guy that was very unusual at that time in the music business in uh, in in London. But he he cut uh, some big hit big hit records, and in the way of these things, you know, if you're if you're hot, if you're perceived to be hot, then all the business comes your way. And he was he was the man of the moment. This guy, Aaron. And he was, and he looked like it. You know, he dressed like as a rock star, and yeah. his whole vibe was very. You know, he he was very pleased with himself. Uh, anyway, he, Edmonds's records for those of 
people who don't know were, he used to do them himself and he used to overdub and overdub and overdub and play back at immense volume everything was done <laughs> at massive volume uh, until actually it used to really kind of turn into white noise you know you put enough overdubs on suddenly it turns into you can't hear any definition between right. the instruments at <laughs> all <laughs> but a uh, kind of nice white noise but it is sort of white noise nonetheless and uh, anyway we went along and Aaron and Edmunds didn't hit it off at all and Edmund said the, this mantra that everyone used to say, as, cut, cut as much volume as you can into the record, please. Because everyone wants their record to be louder than anyone else's, so that on the radio it would stand out more. That was the thinking behind it. Uh, well, Aaron said, I can't cut uh, this record. You have to do it again. You have to remix it again completely. He said, I can't get any volume on it. There's too many overdubs. You can't do it. And Edmunds flew into quite a rage over this. He wasn't used to being spoken to like this and flounced out of the door. And for some reason, I didn't go with him. I don't know why, because I thought, well, old Aaron's onto something here. And he said, and he was, he said, well, there's no point in him flouncing out of the door like that. You know, I'm trying to give him some good advice here. He said, there's just too many overdubs. He said, this is how you do it. And he said, this record has just come in today. He said, this has just come from the States. He said, this record is perfectly realised, perfectly produced record. He said, there's five instruments on it. Listen to this. And he put on, I'd never heard it before, of course, because it had just come in from to be cut by him from the States. It was Who Loves You. It was either Who Loves You, Pretty Baby by the Four Seasons or Oh, What a Night. I can't, it might have been Oh, What a Night. You know, oh, what well, yeah. He said, this is a perfectly produced record. So you can hear every instrument, everything reacts with the other thing, with the other instrument. He said, I, you wait. He said, I'll, I'll cut so much volume onto this record. No other record will get a look in for forever, <laughs> however long. And I guess he was right, you know, because it went to number one uh, straight away. But I did, if anyone is still awake... I don't know if anyone is actually still awake with this, but everyone's driving who's listening to this. <laughs> but uh, uh, but that did stay with me. That that thing about about trying to do with as little as possible on a record you know, is cutting. Is that the same as mastering, or is that yeah mastering? Oh, okay. Yes, yes, the, yes. Because they talk about cutting records, which means just going into a studio and putting a thing down on tape, as they as it when, right. they, when they used to do that sort of thing. And I am indeed talking about a bygone era here. I might as well be talking about shouting at tin foil or whatever it was, the wax discs. Or You're something. still a serious analog guy, right? No, I'm not really, oh, no? actually. No, you you can't be, because it doesn't work, that stuff anymore. No no one knows how to maintain it. and it, you know there there are some studios who still got all that stuff but it, the the digital stuff is so good now that you'd be really hard pushed to to know the difference and this makes it so much much easier in, in many ways the um I was going to ask you did 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 uh yeah i noticed that uh, you were talking about the white noise like i noticed that at concerts a lot where i feel like i feel like such a grandpa cuz i'm like this that everyone should turn down <laughs> yeah, and but no one will ever go. Yeah, you're right. This band's too loud. Like you're just not supposed to ever say that about a band. But there are times where, you're like, I'll put earplugs in, then suddenly I'll hear like something the drummer does, 
actually better with earplugs in than when I was just being assaulted. By yeah, yeah. Well, you're right. I, you know, I. Uh, so it is hard talking about this because you do just start to sound like you know, I start to sound like my father, you know, who 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 used to. F fly into a rage if ever you saw the kinks on the television. <laughs> Whoa, what's that racket? Yeah. Um, but it's it's hard it's hard not to talk about that stuff with us. Oh, yeah, the kids today. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I I liked it. I, I liked um, sort of beat music before they started miking things up. Because when I remember seeing Jimi Hendrix when he came to London in the in the 60s when I was pretty pretty young and and they were like were like a sort of beat group really in that they weren't they had no mics on the drums or anything you know they were they were just like playing like the Beatles did or something I mean they had slightly bigger amplifiers I guess they had Marshall amplifiers but um, they sounded fantastic so you could hear the drums like yeah yeah when course. they were playing live yeah oh, oh completely yes so Kendricks must have been playing a little quieter than he would have played. The whole thing was just a little bit quieter, but it still sounded very, very loud. Oh, wow. I can't imagine. Now you do, I mean, now obviously every drum is mic'd and every Yeah. Drum. No, they just, the guy would just whack him a bit harder, or, or, I suppose, but it, was, it sounded fantastic. Yeah, I remember doing, when I was in a band in Florida way back, we'd show at some places, we never had our own equipment. Like, I mean, we had our own drums, but we never had our own mics. And they'd be like, yeah, we have one mic for the drums. It's like, okay, well, I'm just going to be getting some exercise then. Because there's no way these guys are turning down, and uh, I'm about to get crushed here. But uh, the um, when's the last time you produced an album? Gosh, that's a long time ago now. I did a. I think the last actual album I did was um, with a band called the Katie Dids. Okay, I've heard uh, of that. In 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 the UK, it, it wasn't a success. But the 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 last record I, I produced was um, with the Mavericks um, for a movie. Um, we did a, a track for a movie Apollo Thirteen, and. Uh, no wonder movies cost so much money to make. I mean, they flew me out to Nashville, put me up in a fantastic hotel, <laughs> hired the best studio in in town, you know, and we were in there for about three days doing this doing this tune, which was a cover tune that they wanted. Uh, Blue Moon, it was, in fact, you know, like the Elvis Presley right. version of Blue Moon. And, uh, and they barely used it. It must have cost... Thousands and thousands of bucks. That little. Was, did you? Why did you stop producing? Was it just not interesting to you anymore? Or? Yes, it it, it, st it did stop being being interesting to me because because overnight there was a a, a, a sort of seismic change in the way people made records. And uh -huh. Suddenly, my my shtick was was almost overnight rendered obsolete because my my thing was was a. I suppose I was a sort of combination of of, of of a sort of agony aunt <laughs> sort of cheerleader um, oh. and a cheerleader you know um joke teller you know and and uh, that sort of thing and and getting people at it getting people going you know to to go to try and go further than they thought they could go because i worked with a lot of people who weren't ex very experienced um and uh, so I was always trying to encourage them, you know, to that it was everything's fine, you know. That 
you know, go for it. And, uh, and sometimes you get a result and sometimes you wouldn't. And when more uh, digital uh, people started recording digitally, you couldn't go into the record company and say, well, so I'm sorry, you know, we, we're going to need to take another day because the boys just, they weren't really feeling it, you know, that day, you know, and it wasn't really much good. Suddenly it was, what do you mean the boys weren't feeling it? You know, there wasn't much good. That's, uh, we don't have that. The boys are feeling it and... Is it because it's so expensive? They don't want to yeah. take another day? Yes, I think that's what that's what it was. And also they, they, they knew that a lot of the mumbo-jumbo had gone out of it, that you could you could remix it. You didn't have to be an expert you know, to remix right, it. Right, if again. the drummer was off, you could fix his timing. Yes, or... exactly. Is yeah. the producer... I've always wondered, like, I guess there's different... So it became much more... Sorry to yeah, interrupt yeah, yeah. you. But yes, it became much more sort of science, more, more than, than uh, oh, the creatives are at it, you know. You couldn't get away with that anymore. Were you, I mean, is the producer the boss? Like, I've heard varying things about this guy, you know, this band butted heads with this producer the entire time. I mean, I never understood whether, like, you could, can you just tell them what to do, or do you just kind of go, you might want to do this? Well, that was, uh, that, I used to enjoy that side of it as well, because it really did depend. Sometimes you, you'd, you'd be whatever they wanted you to be, or whatever you, f you thought that they wanted you to be. Like, some people like, actually liked to be bullied you know that the producer was the boss they liked to be sort of shouted at and and um sort of patronized a little bit other other people wanted to the the exact opposite wanted to be sort of stroked and cajoled and just told toadied up to you know <laughs> in the most sort of loathsome way um and other times which was the more interesting was was uh to me was especially with bands was that you'd figure out where the power lay, and it might not be with the lead singer whose picture was on the front of all the mags. Uh -huh. It might actually be that sort of that sulky-looking bass player over there in the corner who doesn't say very much. Right. So you'd work on him, <laughs> you know, get in his good books somehow, in order to get the the others to do what you thought that. Uh, would get the job done that does sound fun trying to like to when you're like oh that that's the dude yes yeah i did i really enjoyed yes i really did enjoy that side of it but um but then suddenly it was that that it, that was redundant that work that line of work it definitely dr dr uh, dried up and then and i wasn't because i was never actually um a twiddler of knobs I was very good at telling people who could twiddle knobs, you know, what I wanted to hear and uh -huh. what I wanted them to do. But I never actually did it myself. Uh, and, um, and I was never very interested in that, that, that side of it, in the technical side of it. And, and then when suddenly everyone was doing it by staring, staring at a screen, and uh, that, that just wasn't interesting enough to me. Yeah, it seems like uh, producing seems like something that uh, probably a lot of people think they could do it. Well, but it, it, only I, if you can do it really when well. When I started doing it, yeah. you, you just had to tell everyone that that's what you did. If you said you were one, and you had the the um, and you had the balls to 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 go into a room and and start saying, right, we're going to do it like this and. You know, then you were a record producer. No one actually said, "Well, where's your papers then, mate?" You know, where's, it's kind of yeah. Where's your certificate? 
so if you if you said you were one you you were uh, but I, I uh, but then I got lucky you know I I, I really did get, get lucky because I can't actually remember what I did on some of the more successful records with other people I, I mean that I produced well, it says that I produced I mean I can remember being there but I can't really remember what it was I did I must have done something or other. yeah you kept getting rehired so you must I got rehired yes yeah, so I must have done something or other but I'm damned if I can remember what it was you got to be happy with some of those. I mean, the, like Armed Forces is like, that's like a masterpiece of an album, I think. Uh, I couldn't <laughs> possibly comment. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't listened to it for a, for a long time. But I, I mean, I, do, I remember the, the uh, um, uh, doing, uh, what was the song? Uh, Oliver's Army. Yeah. On that record. Um you, oh, you don't want to hear about that, though. Sure. Do you? Uh, yeah. Well, you can always cut this stuff yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. My whatever. What was that dull thing I was to? Oh, Aaron, <laughs> the cutting thing. You can call. You can. You can. You can get rid of that, can't you? But the uh, um, before I did uh, before I did um, Armed Forces with Elvis, I did a record with a guy called Mickey Jupp. Uh, well, I did. A side of it. He had, he started off doing the first side with uh, Gary Brooker from Procol Harum. Uh-huh. He's a, quite a difficult man, Mickey Jupp, and he's, very, he's really good. But he was quite difficult, and he fell out with Gary Brooker, and he and so they got Rockpile in. Or, well, me and I got the other guys in Rockpile to do the second side of his record. He done he done the A side. He did the B side. Done, and on that record. He recorded a song called Switchboard Susan. Yeah. And uh, we we recorded the thing and uh, everything was great. And the next day we went into the studio to listen to it. The next morning went to listen to it. And he said, this is terrible. I can't stand this. It's not how it goes at all. And I said, well, what, what, what about last night? You thought it was brilliant last night. Oh, no, no, no. I was, I was drunk or something. I didn't like it. So I said to him, uh, he said, I can't even stand the song. I'm not going to use it. So I said, well, look, here's an idea. Why don't you um, sell me the track? And I'll, I'll put my vocal on, on the track because I think it's really good. And uh, so that's what we did. I bought, I bought the track off him. Oh, um, I didn't know you could do that. Hmm? So the actual recording, like what we hear on Labor of Lust, is... Is, the, is Mickey Jupp's recording with Rockpile playing, you know, it's just uh-huh. the same, but, but he never used it. He didn't put his vocal on So up. he wrote that song? He wrote that okay, song, Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. And uh, so, uh, so that was the deal we cut. Well, anyway, I was so pleased with this arrangement that about two weeks later we were in the studio, studio doing Armed Forces and we recorded this song, Oliver's Army. And it wasn't, it just wasn't happening at all. We tried it all sorts of different ways, and I thought it was a really good song. But we were running out of ideas, and Elvis finally, you know, he said, I, I really, I think we've had it, this one. This just isn't going to work. So well, I was flushed with success from the Mickey Jupp thing, so I said, well, look, I'll tell you what, Elvis, I could do here. How about this for an idea? Why don't I, if you're not going to use it, you know, and I put forward my little uh, plan. Anyway, he said, yeah, well, that's a pretty good idea, yeah. Don't see why not. I said, I'll just pay the boys, play the pay the attractions, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a point of view. <clears throat> and that it was then that Steve Naive said, 
because they've been listening to a bunch of ABBA stuff. Yeah. And he said, why don't I go and try a ABBA sort of piano on it? Oh, all right, everybody said. And out he went there and he put that piano on. And as soon as it started, I could see <laughs> this little scheme of mine disappearing right. out of the window. Because oh. suddenly the thing was was transformed into uh, into something really fantastic. Yeah, that's that's a really great song. I just saw Steve Naive in at Largo in Los Angeles. He was oh doing a, yes, what was he? Tour where he does uh, I guess the songs of Elvis Costello. But ah, I like that little joint. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice place. Yes. Have you played there? Yeah, I played there a bunch of times. Yeah, because I, um, I think it's quite a sort of spoken word. Yeah, place, they do a lot of comedy it? there, and they do a lot of music. Mm. But yeah. The um, but he's God, he's good, huh? Oh yeah, he's really is something else. Yeah, I uh, I do like that he was. Yeah, he was telling the story of how he, you know, went to like it's like the Royal Academy of Music, and then it's like I, I really want to be in a rock band. I thought that was great. Yeah, <laughs> but his, <coughs> I imagine his parents are happy now. Whatever. I should think they are. Do you um, do you go out to see bands very often? I uh, yes, I suppose I do occasionally. Um, if they're visiting friends of mine, I go and and see them, but it's quite rare. I must say, I don't enjoy it as much as I as I once did. It's just what is what you saying? It's just too plumbing loud for me, or too late. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, it's usually for me. It's it's too. I mean, I I go to shows. Usually, friends of mine playing, but yeah. It, I don't like getting knocked around. Yes, knocked like, around. Like, I quite agree. Like, even when I was younger, I was never like, I, like anytime there's a concert, oh, there's chairs, here we go. <laughs> this is going to be a good one. I wish they'd bring back the, the, the what they used to have in London, these these shows that used to st- start after lunch on a Sunday. <laughs> they were really great. They'd go on until, you know, it was nine or ten, I suppose, you know, and they have a few bands and... That used to be so much fun on a Sunday afternoon. Very relaxed and and uh, you know sociable. Yeah, it's kind of nice going on early. I like when the show's extra early because you just know mm. I'm done. It's eight thirty. I'm done. Yes, you need to go to Japan. Oh, really? Fly your trade there. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because they have it. That's all done and dusted by nine. <laughs> done and dusted. Yeah. yeah. Every musician I know who goes to Japan, they just say, "Oh, that's it's like next level of being." treated well yes yes they they are they're very they're very uh nice to you indeed are you going to go back there uh i hope tour? so uh, i i i really hope so yeah i you 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 can't be greedy over there you know if you you can ov- overstay your welcome if you're not careful so you have to two or th- let two or three years oh really by. yeah well i do yes because they like if if it doesn't sell they're extra it's excruciating to see them, you know, tying themselves in knots if everything, you know, if the house isn't full, you know, and all that sort of stuff. I can't stand it to see them in torment. <laughs> what about Australia? Do you play, do you play Australia? Um, uh, again, uh, yes, I've had, I've had sort of flashes of, of, um, of success down there, but not enough. Um, I've... I've it's great going down there. Have you been? Yeah, there? I've been there a few times. It's uh, it's quite. I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah, I do too. No, they're 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 fairly resistant to my charms down there. Oh, really? Yeah, they are a bit. Yeah. Huh. Do you? Uh, does that I ever? Don't, I don't think I'm sort of 
rock enough. They they uh, are, they like their sort of quiet people fairly intense, which I'm not. You know, I'm more of a sort of Tim Pan Alley hack, really. And they like their rock much more like in excess or something. Um, they like their rock very, very rock. Right. So you have to go no solo acoustic shows there. Uh, I've yes, I've done a couple of those. They did, did did all right. Yes, I've done all right. But it's a long way to go, and you and I don't think I've done right enough. Put it like that. Yeah. Because it you know it costs so much to get down. Yeah, and it, it's it's like so long to get there. But mm. does that is there part of you that goes no? I'm gonna I'm gonna crack this this time, or do you just go no? Well, I'd like to just, I, I, you know, you do your best, yeah. but uh, but you can't bang your head against a wall. You know, they occasionally, I, you know, I'll get a, a nice offer, but I haven't been there for a while. The last time I went was with the with the band, uh, with my band, and uh, we had a really really great tour down there. But but quiet. We played small places. They were they were good, well attended, but they were small places. Yeah. And the promoter who brought us down there was a is pretty big promoter but he was he was doing it because he liked me you know he wasn't i was very very i mean he had beyonce <laughs> coming the next week you know so i wasn't exactly you know his main priority but he was he was a nice man he was doing me a favor <laughs> that's funny he was like beyonce yeah sure well she funds just yeah <laughs> whatever you don't think i made take it out of her uh, stadium or whatever yes do you um do you keep up with like Beyonce and new music at all, or do you? If you reached a point where you well, just like, well, I, I I don't think I would, but but for my boy, right? Um, he's crazy about music, and uh, <clears throat> uh, and he's actually he he's a pretty good, <laughs> he can play the drums actually. Yeah, when I saw well. you in London, you were, you had mentioned that he was taking drum lessons. It, yeah, it's it's um something he just can can do and i and i'm embarrassed to even say because i'm not being a sort of proud dad because i haven't had anything to do with it at all he's just something he's he does and to my astonishment he can actually catch a groove and, and stay with it but he um when he was very young uh you know and i was playing you know r&b and rock and roll things and you know the sort of stuff he hears around the around the house yeah. that's you know he 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 sort of likes that stuff but he's getting old enough now to want to want his own stuff so i get to hear uh, quite a lot of new music that i wouldn't definitely wouldn't get to hear <laughs> through him did anything else do you anything you like or yeah um quite a lot actually <clears throat> you know there's so many there's so many bands that have got letters <laughs> c2c c2c was was the really fantastic thing he played, which is called Happy. Actually, it wasn't. It wasn't Happy. The um, Farrell oh, no, Williams had the same title, but it was a really fantastic cut. And uh, and and the the last thing we really enjoyed together was uh, was uh, Paperboy Reed's record. Did you ever hear hear his last album? Did he? I feel like I saw him live somewhere. Did he? Oh, did he open for you at at Town Hall? Uh. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. And then he, I did the Letterman show that when I was here promoting this this Christmas record, and him, he and his band backed me on the Letterman show. 
or two two of the guys from his band. Um, but he he's, he had a record which he he just finished at that time. He gave me a copy of it, and uh, me and my lad is it's a modern record, you know, it's a young person, young people's record. But man, I loved that thing, and so did um, so did my boy. That was the last thing we really bonded over. How old is your boy? Is he? Nine. Nine. Oh God, he's going to be crazy good drummer. Well, probably I, if he keeps uh, up. If he sticks with it, yeah, he could, he could be, but I'm not sure if that's a great career move. Now. <laughs> Do you read? Uh, like I was, I was looking at your albums and tremendously well, tremendously good Amazon reviews, and even Ticketmaster excellent reviews on. Do you know you, they review people on Ticketmaster? No, I didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't know. Yeah, that. Yeah, the people review and, uh, but yeah, you're you're five stars. That's, uh, it's so it's such a shame that that uh, that doesn't translate into record sales at all. You know, I, I've I've sort of always had fantastic reviews. You know, all the pe people, um, critics, and other musicians all like my um, records. You know, the, the general public really <laughs> care less. <laughs> you did tell me once that uh, I was the Nick Lowe of comedy, so maybe that's what. Oh, did I? Well, I'm ever so sorry about no, that. No, no, it's no, not no, if you were, was, was if you were seething with rage. Yeah, no, I'm just getting over it now. No, <laughs> uh, no I, that was a nice thing to say. You told me once because I interviewed you for the Believer way back, and you said you read every single review. Do you still do that? Uh, I, if I if I can, if I can actually, um, if I can actually sort of get hold of them. Yes, I'm. Not, I'm definitely not blasé about about it at all. I'm really interested what people say about me, and um, because I think that that um, you you can actually, if if they don't like you, then um, when you read the review, you can sort of tell that they didn't really get it. You know, that they didn't really get it. In which case, you said, well better luck next time you know but very often they do get it and they've actually pointed out something which you hadn't noticed and um and i uh, uh will take that and change it you wow. know, if i think man they're 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 right yes i do do that and that's a bit that is a bit naff <laughs> <laughs> that is rough though because when someone does point out you kind of have that immediate reaction. i have that immediate reaction like, don't I don't need you telling me? But then you're like, oh, they're kind of right about that one. Yes, yes, I can. I, 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 but that that some some people just can't bear to be criticised, and that all that stuff I think is. Well, I suppose you get like that when you're just starting out a bit. You know, you're a bit defensive, but when you get a bit older, you know, I get quite, <clears throat> I'm quite pleased of the attention. <laughs> you're pleased that someone said I hated that. That terrible record. Well, yes, well, one, 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 would, one would prefer them to keep it to themselves, I suppose. But uh, now with the internet, though, there's no, uh, there's no keeping anything to yourself. No, there's no hiding place yeah, at it's, all. Yeah, uh, it's pretty amazing and pretty awful. But oh, I know what I was going to ask you about. You did Silent Night on your new album. Yes, oh, yes, I did. Yes, the the um, the uh, we had we had a sort when we started out. We had a, a kind of a, a rule, you know, rough a rough rule. That we we try and do tunes that that were unusual, you know, not just the twelve tunes that most that people everyone do. hears, yeah. And then along comes Silent Night, you know, <laughs> the, the most covered, <laughs> um, 
a Christmas song of all time, probably. And but we just started doing it one one day in the in the uh, studio. It can it came out with this funny little yeah groove. toe tapper yeah a little toe tapper yeah <laughs> and um, and we thought well what, who who isn't going to like this you know this is really fantastic. There's a reason why it's being covered, you know, five hundred <laughs> times or whatever it is as well because uh, it's a great great tune. Um, but in the main. Um, Although some of the songs are are known over here, because uh, most of the great Christmas songs are come from the U.S., you know, we don't really have a tradition of it over there. Very, very, very occasionally, a new one will join the canon, you know, like Fairy Tale of New York, you know that. By song the Pogues. By the Pogues, yeah, which is a brilliant, that was a great song, yeah. fantastic thing, yeah. Um, but the, but the, it's very, very rare for. Um, for a new one to come along, which has life, you know, on, on Christmases into the future. Uh, like, um, for instance, uh, I wish it could be Christmas every day, which is not known at all over here, but in the UK, it's on absolutely everywhere from the middle of November. That's by um, Roy Wood. How do you even cover Silent Night? Is it, I mean, do they know who wrote Silent Night, or is that, or is that one of those no, public domain? No, it's uh, Trad R. You know, trad, full stop, which means traditional. Oh. And then R, A-double-R, means arranged, N-low, or J. Mathis, or F. Sinatra. So whoever wrote Silent Night is not breaking it It's a traditional it song. Yeah, it's wow. out of copyright. And, uh, um, so you can just jump all over that one. Have, just have at it. <laughs> Maybe I'll do a version on my next album, just because just I can. Yes. Do you... Uh, you're, I mean, imagine you're the label, you're on Yep Rock. They're not, do they step on your toes at all? Or do they just, uh, they let you do what you want, right? They they did let me do what I want. I, I, I the, the, uh, the, uh, the British record label were, I think they were a little, they wished I'd done something a bit more traditional, I think, you know, um, a bit more chestnuts roasting on an open. They, they they were a bit boot faced about it. You know, well, no no one's heard of these. You know, no one's no one's heard of these songs. You know, what do you expect we to, we're going to do with this? Well, you are a songwriter. It'd be weird if you just. I mean, maybe it would be weird if you just did covers. But I mean, well, initially I was I, I thought well that's what you do at Christmas. You write, you write your own Christmas songs. You know, there's plenty of them. But after a while, you know, well I came up with the the idea of the airport thing, and. Uh, in fact, quite soon after they asked me to do it, I found myself at in Zurich Airport, and I, with a slight hangover, and uh, waiting for a plane. And I started thinking about the idea came to me. And I started thinking about it. And by the time we landed at Heathrow, I'd, I'd sort of, got the meat and the potatoes of it in, in my in my head already. And then uh, the other thing, I did another one as well on the record um, that, that came along a little bit later. But initially, I wasn't um, planning to do to do any originals. Just fell into it. You, wrote, you co-wrote a couple with uh, Ron Sexsmith, "Hooves on the Roof," which is a good one. That's the sort of yeah. Christmas no, Ron. Him. Ron wrote that on his on his own. He came to the studio. Oh, he wrote that. Okay, sent us it the next day. And the other one I did with uh, Ry Cooder. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he um, he I. I he, I was talk. I was speaking to him on the phone, and he said, "What you know? What are you up to?" And I said, "Well, they've asked me to do this Christmas uh, uh, record, and I've, we've started, you know, and it's 
and he just went, oh, God, but God damn it, Christmas prayer, God, will they, will they never stop? You know? <laughs> and uh, I said, well, actually, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty good fun. We're having quite a, quite a laugh with it. You should try it. Oh, God damn it. And uh, about three days later, he sent me these lyrics. Oh, he just wrote lyrics. He wrote the lyrics, yes, and uh, and and I thought up I thought up the tune. It's a pretty good little thing. I, in fact, I think I'm going to, if they'll let me, I think I'm going to do it on the home companion, on the on the home companion, because I was I was doing it on my little solo tour I did last. So it does work live, huh, you right? Know? So that's the way you collaborate on that one, because I was I was wondering if you just like get together and sit in a room or or that was like he emailed you some lyrics he just or... he, he emailed me some lyrics said, can you use these yeah and they were they were good that's funny that he went from uh yeah uh, well it's, it's, like it's sort of typical it is sort of typical <laughs> see the worst in everything until uh, until you have a little think about it some of your songs are just flat out there's a lot of f funny in your songs but they're not like joke songs clearly do you ever stop yourself from being funny or do you just let it rip no i truly try and stop myself from being funny well well because it's a very fine line between um being funny and and sort of glib and in fact i, I sometimes hear people who are i don't know how to s say this without sounding a bit glib myself but occasionally i when people say to me Oh, I'll play, listen to this. You know, you'll love this. This is there's this guy thinks you're great. You know, and I'll listen to a song that's been written by someone who thinks I'm great, and I'll be really embarrassed because I, I can hear the things that they, all the things they like about me that they've put in their their song that they've written, or all the things I try and exercise from myself <laughs> for my own style, sort of bad puns and. Uh, and plays on words and things like that, which I, I used to do a, a real lot at one time. Um, and I try I try quite hard not to do now. But if it depends. If I was doing, you know, like the, the Christmas at the airport song, that's obviously a humorous yeah. uh, su subject. So you can... You, you, there's... There's ways of being funny without telling a joke, you know, by, by using certain words and things, which... Um, uh, have a have a an intrinsic funniness, you know. The actual word has a has a funny quality. But uh, um, actually, being funny, no, I, I do try and avoid it. <laughs> Me too. Oh, <laughs> um, as some people would say, I'm sure people are inserting that. Uh, Me too. <laughs> do you? Because uh, I I am jealous of someone like songwriters and. Because you can be funny, and people are like, "Oh, he's funny," and then you can just immediately be depressing, moving. Oh my God, I wish I could do that. Hmm. Although, because you know, comedian gets serious, and it's kind of like, um, for me, it's like, a, some people can pull it off, but it's like, that's not what you're here for. But yes, it's funny that, isn't it? Jumping backwards and forwards. From it's like, like, like lulling people into a sort of a false sense of security and then sticking it to them. You know, <laughs> is... I also noticed that you, um, I don't know, I guess, I don't know if you do this consciously, but do you 
like if you want a dark song, do you sometimes make it an up tempo to just sort of contrast? Like, yes, I was uh, thinking of that song "People Change" off of uh, "At My Age." Yes, which is really like a real sort of just uh, yes, she liked you a year ago. Now she doesn't like you, kind of, and that's you're gonna have to accept that. But it's a very it's a very upbeat song. Yes, um, uh, yes, I, I I like doing that quite quite a lot actually. Uh, the, um, Contrasting the the uh, melody with the with what you're actually uh, what you're actually saying, I suppose the first time I did that was when I wrote this, the song about that unfortunate actress, um, Hollywood actress uh, Mary Prevost. Who, oh yeah, yeah. And that had a very sort of jolly uh, tune. Um, it was about a you know really sort of hideous um, event. She's eaten by her dog, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, apparently she was. Um, and uh, uh, and I've done it. Yes, it's a trick I've uh, I've employed a few times since. Yeah, yes, yeah, quite quite good fun. That. Do you ever do? You don't do songs off that album anymore, or do you? Um, well, I I don't have a, a a real downer about doing doing songs off any off any of the uh, the records or anything. And I don't really sort of keep. Uh, keep score mm-hmm. you know i don't think oh i've not not quite enough from that one here and oh we better stick another it really is down to if they if they work in a in a live situation some of some of them just don't really work in the in in a i can't just can't pull them off you know some some songs which are quite popular of mine um so if they if i can make it make it make them fly on my own then i'll uh, i will do them no i don't have any any um oh, sorry the word has escaped me qualms not really qualms <laughs> no but uh, uh you know i don't think oh, not that record oh don't mention that record right, i understand that record uh, uh, i i've i don't really know which record some of the songs are on anymore now yeah i was wondering if you would if there are songs where you're like oh my god i haven't even thought about that song in 10 years hmm. yes that that happens that does happen quite often. In fact, with this tour I'm about to do with the Straight Jackets, um, I had some suggestions from people of tunes uh, to do, um, which I've never done. In fact, and I think will work. Well, I <laughs> yeah, hope these words won't come back to haunt me, because we haven't rehearsed yet, as I said right at the beginning. But uh, uh, I, I think they, they they could work really fantastically. You know. Have you, uh, have you, what about the song My Heart Hurts? Have you done that live? Oh. I put that no. on a, a mix CD for my girlfriend. I don't know if it's, maybe it's a painful song to put on a album uh, for your girlfriend. You ah. just started seeing, but I did it. But yeah, that's a great song. Oh, yeah. I've forgotten all about that. Say, there you go. Yeah, that, that, and that's, it's fantastic when people actually mention these things because I go, oh, yeah, 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 not bad. I'll have another look at that one. <laughs> Also, I want to do. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if you know. You probably know that I used one of your a bit of your song for my last special. I did hear that. Actually. Thank you so very much yes. for. Yeah, I think you gave me a good deal. Because <laughs> you were one of the first. I was like, oh man, I'm really uh, like Diana Ross covers this guy's song. Oh, I'm really pushing <laughs> it here. Let's just see what happens. And yeah, you were not at all. Yeah, I don't think you. Uh, I don't think it's one of those songs where you're like, it I, all evens out <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. On the road, you—I—I'd asked you during the uh, 
the Believer interview, what you do during the day, whether you roam around or check out the cities. And he's kind of said, I just watched Judge Judy. Is this, are you still into Judge Judy? I am a fan of Judge Judy, actually, yes. Uh, um, uh, except that I I, um, I suppose I, I'd, I'd stopped um, watching her show, but I'd somehow managed to uh, press on my, um, on my uh, video recorder. Uh, I'd pr- managed to, by accident. I pressed the button which says record all the whole series, the whole series. <laughs> and uh, and I got back, and I got back, um, and thought, well, I'll watch a bit of television. After a few months, uh, or, or or more, even a year, I suppose, and pressed the judge. Judy thing was oh I've got a spare Judge Judy here I'll just see how she is and pressed it and suddenly we clicked into another world where I had something like a hundred and seventy <laughs> Judge Judy episodes I mean she does she what does she does she do anything else that woman she must... I don't even know if she's a real judge honestly I, maybe she was I guess she was some I'm sure someone will correct me on that yeah oh, she was I mean... probably a real judge. I don't she know must if they... be as rich as Croesus. Yeah, that's I'm sure. all she does. She just churns those out. Yeah, and, and, and all the ads, you know, in between, are all serious ads, and there's got serious people buying time for these shows, and they're on a morning, noon, and night on the on the channels in the, you know, up in the eighties. Yeah, do you? What do you think? Do you think she's a nice person? I can't. I, can't. I, I would think she's probably quite a laugh, actually. You yes. think so? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, when I watch her, I go, either she's this is a put on, and she's way nicer if you met her, or she's way nicer you met her, and she's also this mean if she has to be. But that would think she's quite sort of pleased with herself. Isn't she? <laughs> but I guess if I, uh, I don't know, if I made a hundred million dollars a year as a TV judge I'd, or whatever she makes, it's she probably crazy be. money. Yeah. Is there anything else do you do? So you kind of just stay in your hotel room and. Oh, oh, you, oh, what, what's Judge Judy here? I was, I was thinking about watching G- Judge Judy at home, which I saw. No, I mean, when you're on the road, like when you visit a new town, is it to you? Uh, yes, I suppose I, I suppose I, um, I suppose I do. I read, I, I, I just can't seem to read a book when I'm at, I'm at home. So when I come on the road, one of the great pleasures is being able to take some reading, um, material with me, get my, Get my uh, nose stuck into a book, so I'm. Uh, I've got a, a nice, uh, Bert Burns um, b- biography which I'm about to start reading. I don't even know who. Bert Burns was a, um, a, a record producer, white guy, but he produced and wrote. He wrote Twist and Shout. He wrote. Uh, he uh, <laughs> here comes the night. He produced Brown Eyed Girl, Van Morrison, and. Uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of soul records, Solomon Burke and things like that. But he comes from an era which I particularly like in, in music, which is sort of pre-Beatles uh-huh. American pop music, because there was a lot of soul and R&B and stuff. It really filled it down from Lieber and Stoller, you know, this New York songwriting tradition, C- Carole King and Ellie Green- Greenwich and um, all those... Uh, all those great songwriters, they had so much uh, black music in, in, their, in their song, even though they were seen to be sort of fairly white, happy days songs, but they were really, really classy. And Burt Burns is one of those characters that I'm very interested in. The, you know, the, the, the Beatles, who I love, 
But I'm one of those people who think that they did really mess things up when they came. It was much actually better before they came along. <laughs> you mean before they came to the states? Well, uh, it's 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 a it's a hard point of view, you know, to to make it stick because right. I, I I I love pre-Beatles pop music so much, but I I do love them. But they some of the things that they did. I mean, for instance, enabling that what what they did was was to let people people think that anyone could write a song <laughs> and uh, 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 which I suppose you should say is a good thing you know but in many cases it isn't but I but then I feel the same way about Bob Marley as well I think that Bob Marley sort of messed up reggae I think it was <laughs> <laughs> even though he's he was he was great you know but he was there the thing is that their influence is so huge on everybody that after after they uh, came along, there were just a lot of bad impersonations of, yeah. of what they did. People would take one element of what they did and do it and do it and do it and do it until it made no sense anymore. Did you see that movie, The Wrecking Crew? I don't know if you saw No, I didn't. Uh, it's really good. Uh, I think I saw it at a film festival. I think they're trying to get the licensing now. For all yeah, the they can't do do it with the music. It must be. I saw the Jimi Hendrix uh, film, which which has no Jimi yeah, Hendrix music in it. That's Even though the guy does a pretty good Jimi Hendrix impersonation. Oh, the uh, it's not it's a not a documentary. Movie. Yeah, it's doc a sort of a biopic. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Biopic. Well, Nick, I made this list. I think I've got almost everything on here. Uh, uh, well, the new album, Quality Street. The tour starts. What day does it start? Um, the, about in about three days, four days time, I think. Okay. In Minneapolis. Excited? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm I can't wait. I'm going to I'm come to your forward. New York show. Oh, good. Are you? Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic! Just a, just a stone's throw from my apartment. Oh, how cool! Uh, you're playing some night. Have you played Bowery Ballroom before? Yes, I have. That's it's really one of good. my favorites. Yeah. It's a really, really good one. And the one I'll, I'll try. I'll make sure you don't get too knocked around. Yeah, <laughs> can you put me a nice VIP with like a few empty tables around? Yes, I'll sort that out. Totally. Do you? Uh, and you're going to do Music Hall of Williamsburg. Yes. Have you done that before? Yes, I have. That's that's a nice yeah. one as well. Yes. Yeah. So thanks for being here. And uh, uh, not at all. I, I think what we're going to do it. once this this talking ends, when my talking ends, we're going to actually play a track off because I don't have the setup for you to sing in my apartment. Oh yes, I was wondering about that. Well, I'm quite quite glad actually because I'm a bit coldy. You know. I don't yeah, really we'll play the slick studio version. Yes, please do. But thanks for being here, Nick. Oh, not at all, Todd. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed my talk with Nick Lowe. You should check him out on tour. That tour sounds great. Go to nicklowe.com for his tour dates. And as promised, from his album Quality Street, this is Nick Lowe with uh, Christmas at the Airport. Outside the taxi window On the way to catch my flight I notice snowflakes playing in the ever-failing light When he dropped me at departures It was really coming down Deep and crisp and even It settled on the ground It looks like Christmas Christmas at the airport All the planes are grounded And the fog is rolling in like Christmas, Christmas 
This is firefighter Raphael Poirette for Firehouse Subs. Introducing the new spicy Cajun chicken sub, Cajun seasoned grilled chicken breast, zesty cherry peppers, and house-made Cajun mayo. Just $5.55 for a medium. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs would donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase.